This morning I'd like to begin in Luke chapter 7. While we're turning there, I had, I had a passing thought this week about Dave uh, opening the ministry of the Word, and so he did. It's kind of a thought that came and went in my head. And, and it, Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 29. Conditioners on today, so I'll try to talk over them. Luke chapter 7, verses 29 to 50. Dave, if you could read. I have to read a little louder yeah. than usual. And when all the people heard him, even the tax collectors justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and lawyers rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. And the Lord said, To what then shall I liken the men of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another, saying, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We mourned to you, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine, and you say, He has a demon, and the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by all her children. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with the hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would know what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus asked and said to him, Simon, I have nothing to say to you. Oh, excuse me, Simon, I have something to say to you. That's a difference. So he said, Teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which one of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who he forgave more. And he said to him, You have, judged, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much." 
but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, Your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And this passage is a, a very powerful message that can be easily looked over. And the importance of it can't be understated. The difference between morality and loving God. And here we see two different people. One was a moral man. He was one of the religious group committed to some level of living a holy life, a godly life, believed in the God of Israel, even invited Jesus to eat with him. But Jesus points out the difference between the way that man treated Jesus when he entered the house and the way the woman treated him. Her recognition of her sin and her desperation in seeing that she was lost. And then the other, who didn't see the need for much forgiveness. And there's a great and powerful message in this. Jesus said, he who is forgiven little loves little, but he's forgiven much loves much. Now, some people, their sins are out in the open and well known. and they, they are well known for their sins. But for some, they're more hidden, more hypocritical, more hidden on the inside of them, more done in secret. But the fact of the matter is, we all need a great deal of forgiveness. But some people don't recognize it. This man did not recognize it, and therefore, he did not respond the way this woman did. This woman saw her lost condition, not just needing some forgiveness, but she saw that she was totally lost, something Dave was just alluding to a few minutes ago. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. When people come to the point of realizing their lost condition, their hopeless condition, that they are separated from God, and they believe the message, and call for God to save them and rescue them. They see their lost condition. Then they respond to God's love to them and forgiveness. They see the message of the cross that God brings to them. And this is what Jesus was talking about here. He was talking about In verse 29, when all the people heard him, 
Even the tax collectors justified God having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers, as the teachers of the law, rejected the will of God for themselves, not having been baptized by him. And so Jesus pointed out, you said John the Baptist, he was fasting and he was neither eating or drinking, didn't touch alcohol. You said he has a demon. And Jesus came both eating and, and drinking of wine, and they said, Behold, a drunkard and a, and a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. The message in this is that there's more to the kingdom of God than we see with the naked eye. There's some things that God has to open our eyes to and to show us. And this woman who was a known sinner in this town, she saw it. Why did she see it? God revealed it to her. God revealed to her her lost and sinful condition. And in somehow, in some way, Jesus was the answer to her lost and sinful condition. And she responded by washing the feet of Jesus with her tears and drying his feet with her hair. She loved much because she was forgiven much. She acknowledged her lost condition and was forgiven much. But we don't acknowledge our lost condition. We're forgiven little. Not just that we've committed some sins, but that we're lost. And we need, this, we need to be saved. We need a Savior. <clears throat> I think of the children of Israel who went into the Promised Land with Joshua. It says that whole generation, that whole generation served the Lord. But it said in another generation that did not spend time out in the wilderness rose up. The next generation, they did not know the Lord. And they didn't appreciate it. They didn't have experience with the Lord. Like their, their, their generation before them, their parents, and their grandparents. And they didn't serve the Lord. And you know, sometimes that happens when you have a generation of Christians and their children, some of them don't see it. They don't see their lost condition. They're raised in a moral home. They have to come to the place. And God has to bring them through a, a series of circumstances to see what this woman saw. They're lost in sinful condition. That without Him, without Jesus Christ, there is no salvation. There is no hope. We must see that we... Once we're lost and now we're found. We're blind, but now we see. We must see that our sins are many. And maybe they're not out in the public. Maybe people can't see them. But God reveals them to us. He gives us a revelation of our lost and sinful condition and our need for a Savior, our need for Him.
<clears throat> a, a similar message from Jesus is found in Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21, verses 23-32. Now when he came into the temple, the chief priests and elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, By what authority do you, are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing which is to tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, If we say from heaven, he will say to us, Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, We do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. But what do you think? A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he regretted it and went. Then he, then he came to the second and said likewise, and he answered and said, I go, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? And they said to him, The first. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you that the tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. A similar message. A parable of two sons. <clears throat> and Jesus was saying this after they were challenging him. The religious were challenging him. And he said, you have two sons. The first said, he said to the first, go in and work in my vineyard. He said, I will, but then he didn't do it. And to the second, he said, go work in my vineyard. And he said, I will not. But then later he did. Which one did the will of the Father? The second one, of course. But the message in it that Jesus was exposing was the difference between morality and the love of God, the love for God. The recognition of His grace first one said, I'll do it, but he didn't do it. Here were these religious people, they were professing they knew God, and they put on a, a front of religion, a front of knowing God, believed they knew God. They didn't know God. They didn't do the will of God. Oh, they did some things, Jesus pointed out. He says, you do all these different works of giving to the, the temple treasury, and all these different works you're doing, loud praying and fasting. He said, but there's weightier matters than that. You mean some commands are more important in God's eyes than others? 
what Jesus said. The weightier commandments of mercy and of justice and of the love of God. Loving God. Jesus said that was the greatest commandment when he was asked. He pointed to the Old Testament law. To love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And to love your neighbor as yourself. He said it was the next it was a it was like it. The second greatest was like it. To love your neighbor as yourself. The weightier commandments. Love of God. Love for God. Love for your neighbor as much as yourself. Now this is a powerful message. But it is one of the most important messages in the New Testament. Because it tells us the motivation of our hearts. For those who have been lost and have been found, it says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit He's given us. When we're born of the Spirit, it's a spirit of love and power and self-control. And that becomes evidenced in our life. Now we can mimic some of that in religious duty, in Christian duty. That's not what Jesus was talking about. It's not loving God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. When Jesus sent the letter to the Ephesian church, he pointed out that they were doing fine Christian religious duty. There's one problem. You've left your first love. He tells them to repent of it and do the first works. Love for God. The first, the greatest commandment. The first love. Jesus says you should love, you can love no one more than me. And be his disciple. That's what he said. And so, Sometimes we, we, th- this truth fades away like it did for the Ephesian church. If you read Paul's letter to the church at Ephesus, it was high com- com- highly commended. But later on, down the road, when Jesus sent that letter to the church at Ephesus, you get a different, you get a different look at what's going on with that church. Something ha- changed in that church. The church had left its first love, the love for God. They were doing things out of Christian duty, not because they loved God. And it's always a check to our spirit when we read something like this. What is the motivation of our heart? In the Gospel of John, chapter 14, Jesus says this, He that has my commandments and keeps them is him that loves me. And my Father and I will love him and come to him. And abide with him. You know he says that twice. In that passage. He repeats it. And some people say well if I. You know. Keep myself you know walk in a holy life. And you know. Live a Christian you know do Christian things. That means I love God. You know, that's actually putting the cart in front of the horse. And Jesus said, 
He has my commandments that keeps him. It's him that loves me. The love of God comes first. And he says, when he keeps the commandments, what commandments? And Jesus said, the greatest commandment, hey, this is my commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. The love of God that he sheds abroad in our hearts, he calls us to live it out, to walk in it. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you to do and to will of his pleasure, not ours. Of his will, not ours. God is at work in us. And boy, can we fight it. If we're not, if we're not listening to what God's saying in this message. And you know, we can hear this message from our parents. We can hear it from preachers. We can hear it in churches and everything. But it can kind of, we can kind of be callous to it. And we can be tired of hearing, dull of hearing it. Until God reveals to us something very simple. Our lost and sinful condition. Our need for a Savior. Our need for His rescuing us. Little children will say, you know, I want to do what's right, but I can't seem to find, you know, I, 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 I keep on doing what's wrong. Keep on sinning. I know I shouldn't be pulling my sister's hair or, or doing, you know, you see from the time you're little, we see, we see that there's wrong going on inside of us. And even if we're not acting it out, there's these bad thoughts inside of us. God begins to reveal to us at a very young age our lost condition, our need for Him. And we can fight it, we can harden our heart towards it, but the fact is, that's the truth, whether we want to embrace it or not. And if we harden our hearts to it, it'll fool us. And we go down this road, and many Young folks were raised in the church. They harden their hearts to it. And they go the wrong way. And then one day, God reaches out to them and rescues them. And they begin to realize their need for Him. And they turn to Him. Such is the message of the lost sheep, the three parables the Gospel of Luke 15. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And all three of them have the same message. There's something lost that's found. <clears throat> From the woman who recognized her lost and sinful condition, and she washed her hair, washed Jesus' feet with her tears, and Wiped her feet, wiped his feet with her hair to dry him. You know, you can't even imagine that. How, how the magnitude of that, unless you actually see something like that. And the man who invited Jesus to dinner was horrified. This is a sinful woman. Why is he letting her touch his feet? But 
Jesus knew why. Jesus saw our motivation was not evil or dirty. It was out of gratitude. Out of gratitude. Somehow she understood that she would be found and she'd be forgiven through Christ. God had revealed that to her. John the Baptist's preaching, a lot of people rejected it. This, this man of the wilderness, he didn't study with us, but his message was powerful. The kingdom of God was near. Repent, get ready. The kingdom of God is near at hand. And sure enough, it was. Christ had, Christ had come in and was going to give his life for the sins of all of us. God demonstrates his love God demonstrates his love for us that while we were yet sinners Christ died for the ungodly that demonstration of his love is for all and when we come to believe that and embrace it and appreciate it we love him because we recognize that he first loved us he gave his life for us God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son now whosoever believes in him would not perish and have eternal life to believe this message of God's loving us <coughs> Apostle John said we have believe, come to know and believe the love that God has for us and knowing that and believing that is life changing we love God and then we begin to act because we believe he loved us and we want to love Him in return. You know, in this country, they do great things for the people who died for this country. These great memorials, they build a big monument in Washington for the different war heroes who gave their life for this country. They even have uh, the saying of Jesus, greater love is no man than this. The man laid down his life for his friends at the war memorial. And they're highly hallowed you know, my brother, my oldest brother was injured in, in the Vietnam War. His plane was shot down, he was injured. And they gave him this great medal, Purple Heart, and all that. And we didn't know about it until after he came home and gave it to my mother for Christmas one year and everything. There's this great honor. Why? Because these people gave their lives for the freedom of others, and it's highly esteemed. And in that message, there is another message. Greater love has no man than this, Jesus said. That a man lay down his life for his friends. That we begin to recognize the truth of the message of Jesus Christ. His great love for us. That he gave his life for us on the cross. Greater love has no man than this. Jesus is a hero. Because he laid down his life for us. He is a hero above all heroes. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And he gave his life for us. The King of Kings, the God, the God of Heaven, the God of creation, Son of God, came down. And the message from Christmas through Good Friday to Easter to Ascension 
Well, that whole message, God demonstrated His love for us. Goodwill between God and man through Christ. The message of goodwill toward man, kind, through Jesus. But Sam never got it. I know somebody who's not a believer and said to me, I think I'm as, as good, I do as much good as and more good than some Christians do. Maybe he's right. So what? He's looking at Christians. He's not looking at Christ. I guess we could look at each other and point out our faults and say, hey, we all got faults. Yes, of course. But we're not Christ. We are learning to walk with Christ. But the message is not to look at Christians and their faults. The message is to look at the love of God demonstrated in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's where the truth is. That's where the life is. We understand the love of God in that. And it says we love God because He took the initiative. He loved us before we loved Him. And He demonstrates His love for us every day in giving us food and air and water and all the things we need. And taking care of us to the extent that he does. And showing mercy to us who don't deserve it. Mercy is not something we deserve. It's grace and mercy. So that's where people stumble. The Pharisee and the tax collector go into the temple of God. Jesus told this story in the Gospel of Luke. And it's in a, a couple chapters down from the lost son chapter or two down where the son receives mercy for the father and didn't deserve it and you know when the father saw the son coming he ran and he embraced him and kissed him put a ring on his finger put a robe on him I'm receiving him back kill a fatted calf Let's celebrate. And the older of the two sons heard what his father was doing when his, his younger brother came back. He's angry. It's not like his father. He didn't have the same vision as his father. He did not have the same love for his sinful brother as his dad did. And that is the message about the love of God. That is the message about how we love God. And so the Pharisee and the tax collector, the moral man and the known sinner, come to the temple. First one says, God, Father, 
I'm glad I'm not like that guy. Compares himself to a known sinner. I'm better than him. I'm okay with you. Because look what I do. I do all these things that you've commanded. I fast. I give my substance to, to the poor and all this other stuff I do. Tax collectors had a prayer of repentance. Forgive me. Beating his chest and saying, forgive me, Lord. Be merciful to me, a sinner. He come to a place of his understanding and knowing his lost and sinful condition and asking for mercy from God that he didn't deserve. He knew he didn't deserve forgiveness from God. The other guy, God didn't accept him. God did not accept the moral man. He accepted the man who recognized his lost and sinful condition and asked for mercy and forgiveness and acceptance. And right there in that spot, the Bible says that that man went home justified, not the other. Not before he changed, not before he changed all the bad deeds he had done. But when he had a change of heart. When he repented from his heart. And from there, the love of God shed and brought in a person's heart. Then they begin to follow Christ and keep his commands because they recognize all that God did for them and receiving them in their lost and sinful condition. We love him because he first loved us. A response from coming from God's love for us. We love him. If anyone keeps his, my commandments, Jesus said, it is he that loves me. He keeps his, the commandments because he loves Jesus. And why does he love him? Because he first loved us. Because he gave his life for us. Because we recognize we were lost without him. If we don't recognize our lost condition, we can't be saved. We don't, need, we don't see that we need to be saved. We haven't come to believe the message yet. If we say that we have not sinned, we're a liar and truth of God is not in us. But when we recognize our lost and sinful condition, our need for Jesus, there's the beginning kingdom of God. We must humble ourselves and become like a child to recognize to, to recognize this. To, to humble ourselves means to put away our pride. You see the pride of the Pharisee here. I'm okay. I'm doing what you told me. I'm not like this guy. No. God accepted that guy. He didn't accept him. And it comes back to the understanding the amazing grace of God. That he saves us by, from, by grace through faith, not of works, lest anyone should boast against God, like that Pharisee did. Jesus is exposing of the Pharisees 
was not just to expose them. What does it expose us? To expose places in our heart that aren't right. Or that faded away. Or we've left God. We've left the love of God. We've drifted to religious duty. Doing what Christ commanded is important. But it begins by loving our first love, the greatest commandment. If we haven't done the greatest commandment, we've left our first love. We're not loving God. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is him that loves me. So that's what I have.